on the next episode of Professor Hemlock's Grilling with Grumpig. We'll be talking about all things ribs. That's right. We'll go over the ins and outs of making delicious barbecue ribs. Whether you use Anchor, Grumpig, or Spoink, we'll show you how to get the moistest Spoink ribs you've ever had. And if you want to cook along with us, just grab yourself some Professor Hemlock's Barbecue Rub. Right now, you can get two 8-ounce bottles for just 500 polka dollars. But wait, there's more. If you order within the next 24 hours using the code SPOINKRUB, we'll throw in this bottle of Professor Hemlock's Hot Spoink Rub for those that love that extra kick in their barbecue. But either way, remember that Grilling with Grum Pig episodes are released each and every Friday and are available wherever you get your podcasts. Grilling with Grum Pig is a proud part of the CVOS Business Podcast Network. Ask the Polka Dexpert. Hello, friends, and welcome to Ask the Pokedexpert, where we pick the brain of our guest experts about all things Pokemon involving sociology, biology, and social biology. I am joined now here on our new stream on the Celios Business Podcast Network, live on Twitch, by our now regular attending guest, uh, the Pokedexpert himself, Mike Ellison. Mike, thank you for being here. Hey, Anthony. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, I, you know, I almost said thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's just such a, uh, an honor to be a, a regular member of the, the cast now, I guess. I guess now it's a cast with the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so, I, I could not be more thrilled to have you here for this uh, inaugural run. I'm very excited to have you here. You know, I'm not I'm not, uh, I'm not sure how this dynamic is going to go as things go forward. You know, I'm not used to having someone here with me every time. So uh, this, you know, we'll see how this plays out. I also want to, of course, say welcome to our other special guest. Uh, he is a highly decorated uh, researcher and, and, and one of the, the foremost in his field as well. It's Professor Gossamer Crumb. Thank you for coming, Professor Crumb. Oh, well, the pleasure's all mine, Mr. Reed. Uh, professor it, Anthony. Well, well, I am no professor myself, but, uh, but I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate your kind words. Uh, so uh, I just out of curiosity, it looks like you might be uh, out in the field actively as we speak. Oh, yes, yes. Currently, I'm uh, out writing a new book about uh, the Squirtle Squad themselves, but... You got to give me, a, there's a slight delay on my audio, but it's something that we'll be able to walk through. I'm sure of it. Well, I, I am very excited to read that book, Professor. I'm sure that will be uh, phenomenal. And, and I am remiss for not mentioning, of course, my co-host's book. Uh, his, new, uh, his new piece just came out and, and is worth a read as well. And that is Where the Red Breloom Grows, The Hunt for the Rare Mushroom Pokemon. Tell, tell us a little bit about this, Mike. Yeah, uh, well, Professor Gossamer Crumb is going to know. I mean, sometimes your fieldwork takes you into places that you never thought you would go. <clears throat> yes. You know, all of a sudden you find yourself deep in inside of a, an old tree and you, you know, 
you don't come out for days. And then sure enough, your patience is rewarded. So professor, did I just see you grab a, grab a photograph? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, good, good. It, you know, it's, this is, oh, oh no, no, Mr. Reed, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I feel bad interrupting your field work, but it is so incredible that here on this first opportunity for us to be live on twitch.tv as, as well as putting this out as a podcast, as was a requirement of the network when we joined it, uh, that we got to share with our audience something so special as live active field work. Yes. Yes, yes, yes indeed. You know, it's... It was on my schedule and I had to make it happen. I appreciate and made the time just for you. And also and your- Oh, 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 uh, uh, yep. I, I appreciate, uh, Professor, how much work goes into getting a field recording station set up. And so thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you know, one professional to another. Uh, I find it hard to do that. You know, uh, typically when I, when I record these, these shows with Anthony, uh, I would make sure that I was back in the house before I started, you know, it just, it can be really difficult for me to, to manage uh, a high quality show out in the bush like you are. Well, my son, when you're writing as many books as you are, it's always good to be at your own comfort of your own home. That's true. That's true. You know, as well as I do that, you know, sometimes, it takes a lot uh, to to get those books published, and so I think it's I think it's great that you're continuing to work. Well, thank you. Oh yes, yes. This week uh, we are talking about a fan favorite Pokemon. Uh, it's Mimikyu, and the Pokedex says the Mimikyu is eight inches tall and weighs about a pound and a half. And the community has a lot of questions about uh, about the disguise Pokemon for our Pokedex experts. Uh, so, are you uh, ready, Professor Gossamer and uh, Professor Ellison? I can't. Wait. Yes, I'm ready, my boy. Yeah, Mimikyu I did want to... is one of my favorite Pokemon. Oh, that is that's so good to hear. I feel like uh, uh, it, it is. It's so important that when we're discussing these Pokemon, that there's a connection already built, right? That, that's such a such an important aspect. I think there's a lot about Mimikyu that uh, that kind of reflects back, especially on humanity nowadays. You know, I think there's a lot to be said about a tiny, sensitive, delicate Pokemon hiding behind a mask and pretending to be someone else so that they can be liked. You know, I just think there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn uh, between humanity and the Mimikyu. I'm not sure I follow. Um, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, uh, uh, the Mimikyu represents maybe the opposite of, of what we are as people, right? I mean, the Mimikyu has taken on a totally separate identity from, from what they have in their heart. Uh, whereas we as people have the opportunity to really embrace what we're supposed to be. That's a great idea. Have you got a book about that? I'd love to read it. Well, uh, <clears throat> no, no, 
no, I'm I... looking forward to it being published, Anthony. Please send me, you know, I'd love to be one of your beta beta readers. And I'm sure Professor Gossamer Crum as well would would really appreciate that. So Most once you certainly. get that published, we'd love to hear about it. But I have to agree with, with Sir Anthony here. He he takes on the personality of the most beloved Pokemon of them all. Not being competent in his own self, but stealing one's identity and wearing it around. And if somebody looks under that, you know, his costume, his disguise, his sheet, the person is never heard from again. That doesn't sound like society. That sounds like fear and madness. My Mimikyu is scared of my Roomba. What can I do to make the two of them be friends? Dusty and Driftvale, Driftvale City. Dusty, that's a great question. I just wanna, I just wanna lead with that uh, fantastic question. Um, the other thing that I want to address is, you know, technology and Pokemon. Uh, sometimes aren't best friends. You Go know? hand in hand. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Was sorry, that the delay? Was that, sorry, yeah, was that the delay? We, we kind of, you broke up a little bit there. Yeah, no, I, I thought you were done with your sentence. Oh. oh, continue then. Oh, no, I mean, not only do Pokemon evolve, but society itself evolves as well. And the two find a way to not only coexist, but evolve together. Okay, Professor, what's your advice for Dusty then? Well, I, I mean, it seems a bit obvious. You can either A, get rid of your Roomba, what, 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 what was it called? Oh, uh, yes, uh, Professor, it's a Roomba. You, you spend a lot of time in the field, I'm sure. Uh, some of the technological advancements might be uh, a little difficult for you to, to grasp. Uh, it's a small robot that moves about your room and, and uh, vacuums up for you so you don't have to pull out the big vacuum. It's about preventative more than it is, I'd say, uh, uh, you know, for necessary cleanup, but, but it's a, a great little tool. Yeah, it does a wonder on the, on the hardwood in the other room. Uh... Is there a reason we can't just use vacuums like normal upstanding adults? How does it deal with stairs? Well, I understand why the Mimikyu is scared. It's literally a sheet. It's a Pokemon ghost underneath a sheet. The last thing I would want if I was under a bed sheet would have a robot come unannounced and take my sheet away. So this is something I've really wanted to dig into uh, personally. Uh, when we brought up this uh, this Pokemon as as our as our next discussion topic, it was interesting to me because uh, I'm not as familiar with the Mimikyu as I am some of the other Pokemon we've discussed, and uh, to me, it always seemed like uh, the Mimikyu might be uh, one of our classic misunderstandings of Pokemon. That it Absolutely. always seems like things are a certain way but in reality not quite are and you I know we touched on this yeah oh i was just asking the professor is he are, is he saying that 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 is it's a literal sheet involved well I, I mean there's a lot of theories and thoughts that go around the mimicu nothing has ever been officially announced about what is underneath the sheet because nobody has been around long enough to tell the tale. But through heavy research, 
hours poured into it. There is some thought to say that underneath there was either a Clefairy or a ghost of a Clefairy. You know, here's the thing about this theory. What is the thing about this theory? Well, son, you'll listen and uh, you'll find out. Is that once when everything was first happening with, with your books and your shows and whatnot, they were writing about how the Clefairy was the original icon of the Pokemon world. But as soon as things started getting published and getting put out into the universe and people had a chance to consume these games and these TV shows and movies, the cute, adorable Pikachu has taken over the limelight, pushing the very cute and lovable Clefairy down. So this this is actually true. Uh, you know the uh, the amount of Clefairies and and the the proliferation of Clefairy across almost all biomes has been a huge part of like historical society's love of the Clefairy uh, since the games and the movies. Uh, Pikachu has definitely become a a uh, fan favorite, uh, but Professor Crumb is absolutely correct that Clefairy used to occupy the hearts and minds of children all over. I mean, this—that's evident. They, you know, nowadays you consider a Clefairy to be your your granddad's Pokemon, right? You know, the the Pokemon that the the older generations. Uh, no offense, Professor Crumb. The older generations adhere to that are there. Uh, that that's the ones that they really resonate with them as as the the popular Pokemon. The Clefairy generation. Yeah. Yeah. So what more than a spiteful? Clefairy to, that just wants to be loved, dresses in a costume of the fan favorite that beat it out for the starlight. I, this okay. is a this is a layman, uh, you know, a, a pub story uh, that I've heard from time to time. That's true. Um, I mean, hours of research have gone into it, son. And many a pint, I'm sure, Professor Crumb. But the, you know, the the ethics of Pokemon uh, research, of course, uh, don't allow us the level of insight uh, that maybe uh, could have discovered more about the physical makeup of a Mimikyu. You know, they are very difficult to find. Uh, already deceased in the wild and not already um, decomposing in a way that makes it tough to tell, you know, what that outer layer really is. You know, uh, there's, there are theories that it's a membrane. There are theories that uh, like Professor Crumb mentioned, it's a, a costume. Um, I'm undecided, but skeptical is so, how I'll 
here's a great question from one of our listeners that that might help us uh, uh, try to drill down on this a little bit and try to try to crack into what this mystery really is. I mean, this is this is fascinating to me because in talking to the two of you, two of the most decorated, the most brilliant minds in Pokemon research in the world, uh, who have all of this field experience, uh, that there are still so many questions about this mm. Pokemon. It's so unknown to us. And so uh, I have a question here. Um, it says, uh, if a Mimikyu never sees a Pikachu, what kind of face does it draw? And, and this is from Beardy Sean. Professor Crumb, uh, have, you, have you had experience with a Mimikyu that has been isolated from other Pokemon, uh, particularly Pikachu? Have you, Ellison, Professor Ellison? I mean, I believe in free-range Pokemon, not lab-grown or isolated Pokemon. Well, certainly my stance, I think, has been very clear over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, participating in, in uh, you know, many different conferences about this, as well as appearing as a guest on the show that I now am a co-host of, uh, you know, you know, the free range Pokemon uh, experience has always been uh, top of my, you know, my priorities, right? Uh, I don't tend to get out into the wild. And so, or I don't tend to deal with uh, the lab side of things. Sorry, I misspoke. Uh, you all know my uh, proclivities for getting out into the wild. Uh, and so who, it's tough to say what a Mimikyu has or hasn't seen before you begin studying it. You know, the, the range of my studies is so broad that to spend the time required from birth until, you know, until that Mimikyu is able to fashion its outer skin in the way that it wants to, I mean, so who's it, got time for that? It it's sounds like that's that's an interesting point, uh, Professor Ellison. That's very interesting. It sounds like perhaps you have a different theory as to what's going on underneath that sheet than what we heard from Professor Crumb. Well, again, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make any outright statements. Uh, certainly not on air, and certainly not live, without having done my research first, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Uh, as someone after facts, you know, it, it can be very uh, enticing to make a bold claim in front of everyone, in front of the whole world here watching, but I won't do that. Uh, I, will, I will always rely on my expertise and my knowledge to prescribe, uh, but I will not you won't bait me into it today, Anthony. Certainly and, not on the first day of this new experience. And, and that's fine. I mean, you have the luxury of a lot of time ahead of you to be able to do that kind of research, to look into mm. those sorts of problems before you just start making claims. Uh, and so that, that, that makes total sense to me. Uh, so I do want to follow up. There is a very important question we got here from our live audience that I wanted to make sure uh, we we touched in upon. Uh, we have someone here named uh, Captain Hygiene who said, I couldn't afford a Pikachu, so I got my nephew a Mimikyu, uh, but he just started crying and ran away. Any tips for introducing them to children? Mm. 
and to be clear, the child ran away or the Mimikyu, because Mimikyu can be very lonely and very nervous when they meet new things, especially something so loud and frankly disgusting as a child. Uh, Seriously, I mean, they have literal anxiety where they have to hide themselves away from society. Yeah, I think it's really important that you foster the most comfortable situation you can for your Mimikyu when you're introducing it to a child. You know, and you what, did the, what did the child do to actually scare the Mimikyu? Right. So, like, so was it dark enough? Uh, to, to be clear, we are getting... Was it cold enough? Was there loud sounds or well, spotlights? If there was a loud sound, obviously the Mimikyu is going to be afraid. Professor no, no, Crumb. certainly. Obviously, Amen. yes, obviously. Uh, now the luxury of doing this on twitch.tv uh, slash uh, SRSBIZ underscore network. I don't understand why that's the network uh, stuff for Celio's network, but it is, they, they told me I had to read that out at least twice. So we'll get to it again at the end. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the beauty of doing this live is that Captain Hygiene is here. He's, he's saying that the child, the child ran away. The Pokemon is still uh, there. So um, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if we could, uh, if we could address that from how do we, how do we ease this Pokemon and this child into having a relationship? How do we connect them uh, uh, in a way that is, can last a meaning? You know, as you know, Pokemon can be a meaningful and long-term bond with a human. Um, and how do we get this child to accept this Mimikyu? Well, yeah, I, I think. Um, oh no, no, please, oh. Michael. No, 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 please, Michael. Uh, uh, please, Michael. age before uh, beauty. Well, then it's your floor, sir. Eh. I don't believe that every Pokemon is for every person. Just because you have a Mimikyu and a child there, can they respect the Mimikyu? Of course. Are they meant to be? Maybe not. You know, there's Hundreds of Pokemon out there for every kid. Forcing them upon the child just seems like the child went into a hostile situation to begin with. If the child doesn't want to be there, the Mimikyu doesn't want to be there. Nobody wants to be there. Is it possible, Professor? Is it possible that the child is making some assumptions based off this first encounter and that if it takes the opportunity to get to know a Mimikyu and see beyond the disguise and to beyond the darkness behind the disguise and deep, deep, deep inside that Pokemon, if it winds up there, it might see the heart of that Pokemon and truly fall in love. I, I mean, I'm, I've not actually ever seen a Mimikyu in person. Uh, I know that they are... Uh, not exceptionally rare, but also not particularly common. And, and so uh, maybe there is some value to trying to, to broaden this child's horizons. You're not wrong, Anthony, but that's up to the parents doing their due diligence to educate the child. The first time a child is seeing a member queue, it shouldn't be in person. There should be sit-downs, talks about, not saying lectures, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at least some sort of education. So the child knows what he's going into. Great not point. just being thrown in front of a, 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 a not quote-unquote adorable-looking Pokemon. So then Great it's more failure on the parent than it is on the frightened child. 
Uh, that, I do that is agree a with that. Yes. I 100% agree that this is entirely a failure on the adults in the situation. Uh, you know, and I get it because sometimes caring for a Pokemon is hard. Uh, caring for a child is nearly impossible. I understand. And so I think if we remember what a Mimikyu likes, you know, it likes the dark and it likes quiet and it likes a humid but cold environment, if we can put the child and the Mimikyu in that environment together in a nice, quiet, dark, damp, cold space. Do you suggest that, uh, I mean, obviously with a Pokemon like this, you're trying to get them to bond, give them some time alone, right? Like certainly send yeah. the child and the Mimikyu into this dark space shut the door, step away, give them some time to, to get that, to know one another and really connect. That's exactly right. Because, you know, it can be, it can be hard to form a bond when, when you're there and the parents there and the Mimikyu is there and like, who do I focus my attention and love on? You know, it can be very difficult. And with such a lonely Pokemon like Mimikyu, it can misread those situations, you know, and it can misread that scenario. And so if the Mimikyu thinks that there's something else that is driving this child's attention it could be problematic and so i think i think leaving them alone in that space is absolutely the best case scenario for that pokemon uh i've got a question here that uh came into the chat from lever number one uh, i haven't had a chance to read it yet they're just they're coming in very fast but uh it says here uh, i tried washing one of these and the death toll was immense Oh, uh, any tips? I was going to say that's not a question. And in the <laughs> end, there it was. It sounds like a confession, if anything. Mm. Uh, so in a situation, now this is, this is something that comes up from time to time with us, but uh, in a situation where you have made a bond to a Pokemon that can mm-hmm. be relatively dangerous and can mm-hmm. uh, cause uh, alarm, uh, for various parties involved, uh, what are your tips for allowing uh, a Pokemon to thrive in that environment and to not end up dealing with backlash? Honestly, a Poke lawyer, I think, is lever number one's best option right now. Uh, you know, they're gonna want they're gonna want to make sure that all the people that were involved with that bathing signed a waiver ahead of time. Uh, you know, it's so important that people understand these are creatures that exist outside of our laws and outside of our norms. And it brings up a good point that a Mimikyu might not smell in a way that you're used to. And so it's not that it smells bad, it's that it smells differently from the things that you've been conditioned to think smell good. But also you should know what kind of care and upkeep it takes before taking on a Pokemon into one's household. Certainly. It sounds like it sounds like maybe lever number one uh, was duped. You know, maybe yeah, someone yeah. maybe someone positioned Mimikyu in a way that did not fully uh, encapsulate all of the responsibility that comes along with owning one. 
and what's good for the far-fetched isn't good for the snorlax you know sometimes you have to treat that's what uh, they say different pokemon differently um and and so while you might have good care techniques uh for another pokemon you own in your home you got to make sure that you're treating these pokemon the same way mm. great point Andy. well shit great point uh, so, uh, folks, that is all the time we have today to discuss the Mimikyu. This has been uh, a fantastic experience, uh, having an opportunity to sit down with the two of you, uh, your, your brilliant minds on display, uh, back and forth. That was, uh, that was wonderful. So thank you all so much for uh, uh, coming to join us today. Uh, Professor Ellison, again, I wanna make sure we, we mention your new book uh, that is yeah. uh, that it's out there now, uh, Where the Red Breloom Grows, The Hunt for the Rare Mushroom Pokemon. This was one of my favorites. Thank you so much, Anthony. Uh, and if you don't mind, uh, I'd like to take just a couple of minutes. Uh, one real quick shout out uh, to all of my patrons at patreon.com slash pokedexpert. Uh, I know that the October uh, the October newsletter is a little delayed, but we wanted to make sure everything got nailed down with the network. And I had a special uh, a special a special one just for you uh, that I didn't want to spoil the surprise of tonight's show. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, Professor Crum, I just gotta say, we gotta have some drinks when you get back you know, out of the bush and back into, into reality. And then we can talk more about your theory about how Mimikyu is wearing a costume. I can't wait to hear about that. That's very kind of you, Michael. And I'll, I'll certainly take you up on that once I get out of the field. And I will say uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here, Professor Crum. It's, uh, it is rare that I get someone of such caliber uh, to come and be a guest on this show. And so I really can't thank you enough uh, for, for coming to, to partake in this new iteration of uh, the, the new chapter of what Ask the Pokedexpert is for me and, and for the world at large. Uh, you know, we're entering a new world here. And so to have you come and be a part of this is very special to us. Uh, are yeah, there any things? really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, is As there anything that... of the show. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, is there anything that you would like to uh, uh, promote, Professor Crum, while you're doing your work? No, uh, well, uh, thank you, Mr. Reed, for giving me the opportunity to come in and talk to Mr. Ellison, Professor Ellison. It's been, uh, I've read a lot of your books. I'm very excited to be here. Once my, 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 my book is finished and published, Anthony, I will send a signed copy over to you right away. Free of charge, both shipping, handling, you'll just have to cover the cost. Squirtle squads, the city underbelly of the roaming squads of the Alola region should be out very soon. Oh, wow. So that is a that is a hot uh, announcement right here on the show. Uh, new book from wow. Professor Crumb. Make sure you uh, pre-order that wherever you can. Uh, it's I, I imagine it's going to be a phenomenal read, and I'm it's, so excited. So it's, it's so generous of you. Um, it's when it's when held and trying to get it on paper not everyone has made it so it's, it's it hasn't been great if you want to support me and my my research you can do so over at tiny.cc slash crumming ain't easy and uh, all funds will be funded right back into my work and my research and the cost of publishing crumming ain't easy that's tiny.cc slash c-r-u-m-b-i-n 
A-I-N-T-E-A-S-Y, Crumman Ain't Easy. Make sure you head over to tiny.cc slash Crumman Ain't Easy to support the professor. That that is uh, a great way for you to go ahead and do that. And of course, I do want to mention that we are now part of the Celios Business Podcast Network. Uh, There's been a lot of back and forth between us and the network. And, uh, you know, uh, we wanted to get uh, involved and they wanted to have more guests. And I agreed to that. And I, I certainly am so excited that they managed to get uh, Professor Crum involved. They wanted uh, Professor Ellison more involved, and we made that happen. They wanted us streaming live right here on Twitch every Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll be doing an eight, eight-episode season from here on uh, going forward, and we'll take a little break, let uh, Professor Ellison go and do some research. That's uh, been a big part of, of this process for him. And then uh, you know, one of the stipulations he had, and then we'll be back at it again. So, uh, you know, just come uh, be part of the uh, twitch.tv slash S-R-S-B-I-Z underscore network. Uh, come check us out on uh, Twitch when we're, when we're up here and, and you can watch the show live or just keep listening on the feed too. That's fine. We'll be right back with you uh, every Wednesday morning as we have been. I'm so excited to say this, Anthony. I'll see you all next week. Uh, yeah, next week then. Uh, once again, from Ask the Pokedexpert, thank you all so much for coming. I thought that was a good ending, Anthony. Uh, well, we'll work on it. Business.